Welcome to the Dayspring Community Church Podcast. Check out our website at dayspringonline.org. And now, Dr. Matt Friedemann. So, it's getting darker. It's getting more evil in the world. What should we do? And right throughout 1 Peter, he gives them admonitions. He gives them directives. He gives them commands. So that's what we're covering. Not all of 1 Peter. We're just basically covering the commands. And the commands today has come out of Scripture is this. Servants, be submissive. Wives, be submissive. Husbands, understand. And all of you, be community. First, this whole thing about uh, what does it mean for us to be submissive on the whole? There was a guy named John Guest. He was a British minister who came to America and loved to visit here and get around. But he was telling a guy named uh, Michael Milton. He said, Michael, I don't get America. There's something about this place that just feels different when I'm here. and I can't quite get it. Uh, Something that just doesn't feel right. And so Michael Milton said, well, what is it? He said, well, I I couldn't tell for the longest time. But there, there, there came a time when I was with my wife and we decided to uh, just, you know, go shopping for antiques and, 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 and stuff. And so we went to a place in Pennsylvania and started rummaging through antique stores there in the rural areas. And one day, we found a clue in the strangest place. We we're actually rifling through some cardboard boxes that had a lot of stuff that wasn't uh, qu- quite cataloged. And, and so they just said, well, if you want to go through it, go through it. So we were doing that. It says, and we came upon a sign dated back before the American Revolution. He says, and we got the clue. We all of a sudden understood what in the world was going on. He said, this sign once hung in a store, kind of like a modern-day bumper sticker, and it gave encouragement to the colonists. And the sign said, we will have no king to rule us. Ba-boom. Now, there was a difference. He said, now all of a sudden I got it. Ah, see, in England, we are born into this thing where even though the monarchy is not quite what it was, we get that there is a king, or in this case, a queen, and they have sovereign rule over us or something like that. So we come in and say, all right, we recognize we're submissive from the get-go. There's no argument about it. That's how we live. That's how we understand our lives. He says, not so America. <laughs> no, we will have no king, no king, no way is going to rule over us. No way. And that's how we were born. That's how this country got its start. Now, John Guest says that's good when you're dealing with tyrannical monarchs 5,000 miles away or, or you're at war. That's great. He says it's not so good when you're preaching to self-reliant Americans. And the Lord says, I want you to submit, and you still have in your DNA, your national DNA, no, we don't submit to any king, not even to the king of kings. Then we got a problem. I think he's right. I think it's built in our DNA. We don't do things like that. So therefore, we're willing to read some scripture and say, yeah, we can go with that, particularly the saving of our souls. That's what we like. But if it ever says something like this, if a man smites you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also, we say, well, if a man smites me on the right cheek, out comes the gun. Now, that's kind of what we say in the South, isn't it? And we say, and that's exactly appropriate because of who we are. And the Lord says, no, it's not. I've told you what to do. 
It takes great faith to live like I want you to live, but that's what I'm asking for. I want you to live counterintuitively, not as the world lives, but as I'm asking you to live, I want you to submit to the things I've asked of you. Now, the word submit comes from two Latin words. And the Latin words mean send under. So I'm going to send myself under somebody else. And that's what this is all about. First off, we send ourselves under the king of kings. And we say, it's your will, not mine. It's your rules, not mine. It's your direction, not mine. The truth is, I know very few people that live that way. Uh, for, 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 let me give you an example. No, 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 no. I've been told my whole life, go for your dreams. That's what we tell our high school graduates, right? Do your thing. You've got these huge ideas. Go for them. Go for the gusto. Instead of saying, no, submit yourself to God's dreams. He's got a better idea for you than you have for yourself. That's not such a good high school graduation speech, that one. Nonetheless, that's what God asks of us. I want you to submit yourself to me. Uh, Last week, thank you uh, for being kind to Elijah when he was here last week. We we decided a couple times a year we just need to switch pulpits, kind of remind ourselves who we are. Elijah, he's reminded where he came from. And uh, those folks over there can be reminded where we came from as a church. We birthed that church, and we just want to remind each other of that. And we're going to get more churches going. We, uh, we both want to be planting here in the next couple of years, and that means we'll have four churches. And we want to mix it up from time to time, get together from time to time. So just FYI on that. But the whole point here is he was preaching on marriage last week, and he thought, you know, maybe Dad ought to come in this week. He can talk about marriage. So I, I did that over his congregation. Then he took First Peter from me over here. And it was, a, it was an interesting time, good time. I was preaching mostly to young people, uh, many of them not married yet. And so as we spoke that, I thought, you know, there's an incredible time when you go to the wedding ceremony and something is said like this, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, Till death do us part. I said, you know, the problem with so much marriage is this. We believe today in cheap vows. We say, yeah, I sign on to that unless something goes wrong. And if something goes really wrong, I'm out of here. I'm bailing. I'm out. And no one's going to blame me. The church isn't going to blame me. The pastor won't blame me. No one's going to blame me because, hey, you get this thing on your terms. That's the way we do marriage today. We do it on our terms. Even when we take vows that say, Otherwise, I always like to do a wedding and say, listen, I want you to know that worse is coming. You all understand that now as you're looking googly-eyed into one another's eyeballs. Worse is coming. I want you to know that poor is coming. And I want you to know that sickness is coming. And when it comes, you're taking a vow today to say, no matter what, I'm hanging in with this gal. No matter what, I'm hanging in with this guy. I mean, it's a radical vow. But what you're doing is submitting. It's not submitting until it's submitting one to another in a precious, precious symbol of mutual submission, which is what I think marriage ought to be. Mutual submission to say, no matter what, we are dedicated one to another. Let me tell you about the no matter what. We're sitting googly-eyed. We're looking at one another. Hey, whoo! I can't wait 
starting tonight to have sex with you and to do it for the next 50 years. That's what I'm looking forward to. What happens if this person standing across from you gets in an accident and is quadriplegic tomorrow? Will you love then? Although that thing you just said is going to look a little different across the next 50 years than whatever you imagined. Then, what if their face gets totally scarred up and they look entirely differently than what you thought they were going to look like? Or what happens if that accident makes them have an entirely different personality? Then, you're going to love them then? That's what that means. Submission, no matter what. To the king of kings, yes, and even to this person I'm giving a vow to. Now, if, you don't, if you're not going to do that, don't take the vow. By the way, if you're not going to take that vow, you won't get married in this room or by this pastor. That is holy matrimony, but holy matrimony is basically we're submitting one to another no matter what. Because we recognize that, yes, worse is coming, poor is coming, and sickness is coming, and even if that happens, we're hanging in there. We are hanging in there one with another. It's radical. The world doesn't buy into it. Most of the church doesn't buy into it. But we, who are Dayspring Christians, we buy into it. And so, this whole thing of, let's start with this. Servants, be submissive. Just whoa. I got to tell you, a little disappointed in the New Testament. If I had written it, uh, we'd say a few different things. Anybody ever think that? You know, if I'd have written that, uh, if I'd have written that, we'd been attacking slavery as an institution from the get-go. Can I tell you why I think that's not done? First off, you need to know that the principles that ultimately uprooted slavery were very much in the New Testament. I think things were laid out to say, eventually, this thing falls. And no one from the get-go is saying, hey, slavery has got to go down today. Fight it. Fight it. Let me tell you why I don't think it says that. I think the Lord says, I have servants. I have servants in place in families, that by their submission to a master is going to get significant people in that family saved by their submission. And we're going to take this Roman Empire for Jesus based significantly on the submission of servants to masters. That's why I think this is written in just the way it's written. Because I am going to do something you can't even believe. People are going to come to know Jesus because of the submission of people who work in the household. And I've got a great plan for you. Are you crazy enough, Mr. Servant? Miss Servant, are you crazy enough to submit? I'm not talking about submit to absolute evil. I'm not asking you to do absolute evil. There's times to say, listen, the military is like that, right? Military says all the time. You obey everything people tell you to do. Everything except that which is unlawful. And if it's against the law, you do not have to obey. We're taking it to court. That's what the military is all about. So no, I don't think you do something absolutely and utterly unethical. What I do believe is, most cases, most of the time, the issues don't have anything to do with that and have everything to do with my will over yours. And the Lord says, I want you servants to submit because I'm going to win that household, or at least I have the opportunity to win that household with your Love and kindness as you're inside of that house. I got to tell you here, 
I think this passage doesn't deal so much with slaves and servants today because we don't really have that going in America today. So I think it has a lot to do with employee employers. And I'll go ahead and suggest this to you. I've been 32 years at one place of employment in Jackson, Mississippi. 32 years. Now, that, that's something that some of us can say today. Most of us can't. We, just, we, we don't hang around jobs that long. Can I tell you across 32 years, I'd like to be able to tell you that every leader and every decision maker was holy, holy, holy. Everything that was decided was decided because they knelt down and they prayed and they worked through and they did exactly what God wanted them to do. I'd like to be able to tell you that. It's a theological seminary, so it should have been that. But you know, like I know, that ain't how it happens across 32 years anywhere. It hadn't happened that way at our place. Having said that, let me just say, if you're going to work 32 years anywhere in the world, including a church, including being in a Christian business, including any place where the Lord might set you, you're just going to have to roll some punches. And you're going to have to submit. And you're going to have to grin and take some things. And I think the more joyously, the more lovingly we do that, you can say, yeah, but they're making horrific, stupid, ugly decisions. You say, yeah, but I think the Lord's going to position you the longer you submit to be in a position to change much of that over time. I think the Lord's going to say, if you'll position, I think he does that with Joseph. You ever think about Joseph? He is submissively waiting in jail, submissively doing his thing, submissively. He's not trying to escape. He's not trying to get the troops together to say, let's revolt. He's submissively waiting in jail. And because of that submission, guess what he does? He saves two nations. He saves Egypt from famine, like he says, his, saves his own people from famine because he waits there, he submits, he keeps his mind stayed on the Lord. And because of that, the Lord used him to save Egypt. The Lord used him to save his own people, Israel. The Lord used him. I'm thinking of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're cooling their toes and babbling. And they're saying, all right, here we are. What do we do? And the Lord says, you need to plop down. You need to make houses there. You need to be the best people you can be. And Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they position themselves well. They submit. Now, do they do unethical things? No. One day, they're asked to bow down to a big statue of the king, and they refuse to do it. You remember the story, right? The Lord took care of them. And they said, and even if the Lord doesn't take care of us, even if we burn up, guess what? We still won't obey this unethical, unlawful, ungodly plan that you have for our lives. We're not going to do it. But I'm going to tell you what, on the whole, they did submit. And when they submitted, guess what? God used Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in all inspiring ways. Oh, my goodness. The kings, Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, kings, Darius. They all end up saying, Woo! What a God you serve! You obeyed God, and when you obeyed Him, look at what has happened. They submit themselves, and I'm going to tell you, that is radical. It is unusual. It doesn't even happen today much, but when we do it, Beth Moore says this. Beth Moore says, Submission is ducking so God can hit your husband. I said that to my wife last night. I thought, 
If she doesn't laugh, I'm not going to use it. She laughed. She thought that was hilarious. I don't know. She must have thought, thought you know, a boxing glove coming against my nose is funny or something. Anyway, boom. She laughed. So I thought, okay, I'll use it today. But the truth is, I don't think that's nearly as true about marriage as it is in this situation. Duck. So when I decide to deal with your employer or the person that has power over you, you won't get in the way. You, Lord, be, be submissive and let me handle it the way I want to handle it. So, <laughs> submission is ducking so God can hit the person in power over you. Submitting gets you in the ready position. I tell you what, I want to be just as ready as Joseph. I want to be just as ready as Daniel. I want to be just as ready as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I want to be ready to be used of the Lord because of my submission, not because I had to get my way. Second thing is this, wives, be submissive. Now let me, can I just tell you the truth about the message today? I looked at it about midweek or so, and I thought, you know, I wonder, can I get out of this message? Can I go teach something else? You know, they had, they had Elijah here. We, maybe they forgot all about First Peter and forgot that I was in a series and I don't have to finish it. Let me just go, I almost did it. I almost said, let me get out of here and go do something else. Because I, I have a tough time preaching this one. Women submit. Not because I don't want them to submit to me. Well, I love that. It's just that when my wife submits to me, I get it. The smarter, the more spiritual, the wiser person is saying, have it your way, Matt. Now, my wife is an expert at this. Let me, just, let me read this before I tell you how expert she is at it. In the same way, you wives be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their lives, as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. I mean, some of this is just, I heard it said like this, marriage is when a man and a woman become as one, one flesh. The trouble starts when they try to decide which one. One flesh, but we still really have two people here, and hey, who wins? Or this, fellow standing in front of the mirror one day, and he's admiring his own reflection. And as he's doing that, kind of, you know, doing what we do in front of the mirror, guys. We know the bad side, so we don't turn that way. We just... So I posed this question to my wife for 30 years. Will you still love me when I'm old, fat, and balding? And she answered, I do. Now, I'll tell you about my wife. Uh, she's expert at this. Uh, when it says, you know, I want you to do this thing, I want you to know, uh, be, submissive, uh, be submissive. It's important for you to do it. It's exceedingly important that you do this, so pay attention. And uh, my wife, uh, you know, she has decided long ago, probably the best thing to do is when Matt is an heir, it didn't say, Matt, you're an heir. Uh, she knows my personality well enough to know, you know, that probably won't go over very well. Because then, I'm a man of argumentation. I come from a family of argumentation. Then we go into debate mode. Yeah? Well, this is why I'm right. And even if I know I'm wrong, it had nothing to do with it. I'm in high school debate. I'm winning the debate. <laughs> even if it's the wrong position, I'm winning the debate. And the more, guys, are you with me on this? And the more you're dug in, the less likely you are to say, you know, you got the better idea. Let's go with you. No. No. 
So my wife, she, she, she's figured this thing out. Uh, I'll say, okay, sweetheart, this is what I think we need to do on this situation. In fact, this is what we're going to do on this situation, and I'll lay it down. And some of you wives know this look. I, I'm not, I can't even describe the look. I don't even know what it is. I tried to make it this morning. I, I, so this isn't the look, but it's something like this. She'll listen to me and go, or something, you know. I think that's it. Now, she said nothing. And, you know, it's hard to get after them for a look. Hey, stop looking like that. But she's done it. And so I'm sitting over there stewing, thinking, all right, wait a minute. I know I got the right position. I know this is the wisdom from almighty God. Yeah, right, whatever. And I, but she just gave me the look. And so I sit there and think, huh, maybe I'm wrong because I know who I'm with. She's smarter than I am. She's wiser than I am. She's more spiritual than I am. Hmm. And so I'll think about it for the next 15 minutes. And usually I come out saying, yeah, pretty much. Hate to admit it. She didn't even admit it. She just gave the look. But she's right. And y'all, I want to suggest to you here, there's a way to submit in a way to say, I'm not a doormat and I'm not just to be pummeled. I want to submit because the power of God is in submission. The power of God is in submission in an employee-employer situation. The power of God is in the submission of a wife to her husband. But listen, y'all, I think Ephesians teaches, and in a husband to her wife. But given the male ego, sometimes we need to, hey, think we're all in charge and all right, and we need a woman to help us figure out, hey, well, have you ever thought about this? And do it in such a way where this personality, and we're all different, can take it. I said this one time to a marriage here at Dayspring years ago, years ago. Uh, they were just at odds, didn't like each other, weren't sleeping with one another. I mean, it was just like, ugh, I didn't know what to say to them. And then one day, I don't know, this came out. She was looking at my face, what'd I do? I just said, you know, you all got a lot of years of not liking each other. A lot of years of not sleeping with one another. A lot of years of really being nose-to-nose ticked off with one another. I said, do you know, I have learned that the healthiest person in the marriage will apologize and submit first. The healthiest one. So I looked at her and I said, so we've just got to decide who's the healthiest one between you two. I paused. Then I walked away. Now, I'm not usually that wise. Boy, Jesus came over in that moment. About three or four days later, the husband comes up and he says, man, what'd you tell her? I said, what are you talking about? He says, wow. Because, <laughs> I, you know, when a guy says that, I know what's happening. Wow. I mean, it's just better. It's good. I mean, Jesus is working. I said, hmm. I wasn't going to tell him, well, it's obvious why he's working because you're the unhealthy one. And somebody had to make a move. And that's what happened, y'all. The healthy one submits in a situation. I think every, all week long, this is what's going to happen. You're going to have an opportunity, even in conversations, to say, I want to submit here. And what's going to happen is what you really want to do is say, hey, 
This is what needs to happen. Hey, this is the action. Hey, instead say, no, let me listen. Let me enter. Let me, well, that's the next thing. Hey, husbands, understand, will you? Understand and live with your wives in this understanding way as with someone weaker since she's a woman. By the way, weaker means literally, physically weaker. Not all the time. My wife can do more push-ups than I can. I hate to admit that, but she can. But with someone weaker since she is a woman and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. So people in the traditional power position, we need to say, okay, in the traditional power position, in this case, it's the husband in the marriage, I have to understand and honor and love. And by the way, in Ephesians, it says it like this. And die. Willing to die for that woman that you're married to. And I just don't think it says physically die. I mean, I think it means physically willing to die. Yeah, sure. But spiritually die today. It says in Ephesians, wives submit. But when it says husband's love and then says that, that's a much more radical kind of submission, guys. Are you willing to die today for this woman. Not physically, but spiritually, with your strong will willing to die. Wow. So, if you're not, your prayers will be hindered. I'm going to tell you, the most powerful person in any single room is the one that communicates extremely well with God. And we need to be people that communicate extremely well with him. And it will not happen unless we live with our wives in an understanding way as someone weaker and honor her as a fellow heir of the grace of life. Jesus, make it true of all day spring men that we would be willing to understand, to honor, to love, and yes, even to submit Because we want the communication between you and us to be ever so strong. Lastly, this. It says, all of you, by the way, in in Mississippi, this is all y'all, all right? Literally, to sum up all y'all, be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, humble in spirit. Get a load of this now. Not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. For you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. Wow. I think what it means is, I need for all you all to treat one another like this, so that you might be a miracle. A living, breathing miracle. Do you suppose he could do that with us, y'all? you suppose the Lord could work amongst us, and we did submit to one another in such a way, that we're a walking, holy, loving miracle? I knew the story. I looked it up last night to make sure I had it right. It's a, it's a story. But it's a story about a monastery that uh, had once been vibrant, had hundreds of people in it, and had gone down now. This huge compound, this monastery, this once vibrant monastery, had gone down to five people. It was the abbot and four others. And they were all over 70 years of age. 
They were dying. They knew they were dying. It was over. And so it's just kind of like, how do we end this thing? But they didn't feel like it was supposed to end. And there was a, a, a prayer hut about, about a mile away from the, uh, from the monastery. And occasionally there was a rabbi that would come there. And they'd found across the years that this rabbi was extremely wise, had plenty of insights, walk with God, talk with God. And so when he was at that prayer hut, there would usually be some kind of holy gossip going around saying, the rabbi is in the forest. The rabbi is in the forest. And whenever that happened, usually they'd send some one of them out there to go talk to the rabbi. Do you have any wisdom for us? What's, what's the Lord teaching you? And so it happened that the abbot decided, I need to go talk to him because we need an answer to this. We're dying. So he goes out there to this prayer hut. <clears throat> sure enough, the rabbi's there. And he says, Rabbi, oh, we used to be vibrant. You knew us when we were much more vibrant than we are today. But across many years, we are now down to five people. Only five of us want to live in this monastery. And we're all old. We're all going to die soon. Then what? Do you have any advice for us? And Rabbi says, man, got the same problem. Our synagogues are empty too. We're dying. Got no answer. So they prayed together. They read the Torah together. They, uh, they spoke one another. They prayed and spoke and loved on one another. And finally, after about a week of this, it was over. Rabbi said, I must go. So he's, he's got his possessions together. He's leaving. And as he's leaving, the abbot says, please, Rabbi, please. We need to know what to do here. We need an answer. The rabbi says, I don't have an answer. And he turns and he stops. He looks back at Seth and says, except this. The Messiah is one of you. And he keeps walking. And the abbot thought, what in the world is that? The Messiah is one of us? No. So he goes back, he goes back to the monastery, and the four guys are waiting for him and say, what did he say? What did he say? Did he give any advice? He said, I was with him a week. He didn't have anything to share with us except this. He said, hey, you five guys, the Messiah is one of you. <laughs> and these guys said, what do you mean by that? And so they all went back to their living spaces and started to think about what that meant. And this is what they started thinking. You know, Abbot started thinking, I don't think any one of us is the Messiah, but on the outside chance, you suppose Kalev? Kalev? Do you suppose he is the Messiah? Oh, I don't think so. He's a cantankerous dude. And I don't, I don't think. But you know, sometimes he's got wisdom just like Jesus. I, I don't know. Maybe he's the Messiah. Then they thought about Yeshi. Could Yeshi be Messiah? They thought, well, Yeshi's like a dumb as a rock. But boy, he knows how to show kindness. He knows how to wash feet. Maybe Yeshi's the Messiah. And the abbots start thinking about himself. Maybe me? No. <laughs> oh, no. Couldn't be me. Unless it's me. And every one of them had the same thought. You suppose it could be him? Could it be him? And so, when they saw here Kalev, they saw, start thinking, maybe we, I don't think so, but on the outside chance, Kaleb is the Messiah. Let's treat him like he were. And Yeshi and the abbot. Let's treat. And so guess what? The five of them 
went into a respectful, loving, holy relationship. Now, this is what started happening. There'd be people occasionally come by and picnic on the grounds. It's beautiful grounds. They'd picnic on the grounds. And one family came by one day and noticed something different about this place. And they said it to somebody else, and pretty soon that other family came. And pretty soon there were all kinds of families picnicking on the grounds. And one day, about two years later, there was a kid from one of those families that says, Whoa, I don't know what there is about this place, but I like it. I think God's at work here. And he asked the abbot, Do you suppose I could become part? Could become a monk? Could I be part of this? And pretty soon, all kinds of kids from all kinds of families were saying, God's at work here. I want to be part of the work. And pretty soon, it was thriving. Why? Because they decided, one to another, let's submit. Because they decided, let us be one with another. Harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. Not returning evil for evil, or insult for insult, but giving blessings instead all around. That's the purpose that we were called to. Do you suppose there's any outside chance that we could submit to one another for the purpose of God? Now I'm asking, do you suppose we could do what Jesus wants us to do here? Now my wife and I, you know, we talk about these passages on the way to church. And uh, when I read submit, 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 One of the things I want to say is, yeah, but, yeah, but, I know. And there are some yeah, buts to it. But this morning, he didn't want you to hear the but. He wanted you to hear the word submit. I don't know what he wants you to hear next week, but this week, it's submit. And some of you here today, because he wanted you to hear the word submit. And I'm here today as the guy that got told by God at the end of the week, you've got to preach on it anyway, even if you want to get out of it. Could you please stand? Jesus, help us as employees to submit. Help us as wives to submit. Help us as husbands to understand and be willing to die. Help us, Lord Jesus, all of us, to be able to enter into a spirit-filled submission so that all the world may be able to look at this congregation and say, I don't know what it is about them, but I want to be part of it. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, We submit. Amen and amen. God bless you, Dayspring. Thank you.